Hello, Iconic Mamas. Welcome to episode 17. This is your girl, Alex, and we are here with a new episode. I do have a very special woman here with me by the name of Belle Robertson, and she is going to introduce herself a little bit, and we're going to get right into it. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. Go ahead and um, tell us a little bit about what you do and what you stand for. Sure. Um, I have a blog back in the time when there were blogs before there was Facebook groups before there was before we really even hung out on Facebook at all. There were blogs, WordPress blogs. And I started a blog called tired of thinking about drinking. And it was because I know this will seem like a surprise, but it was because I was tired of thinking about drinking and I was drinking more than I wanted to. And I found that I kept making you know, deals with myself on how much I would drink and so many nights a week or only on weekends or only on holidays. But I found that I couldn't keep my promises to myself. So I heard about something called a 30-day sober challenge called Dry July. And it's a fundraiser in Australia. And I don't live in Australia, but I just heard the name of it and I thought, oh, I'll try that. 30 days, that shouldn't be a problem. I don't have a problem with drinking. I'm sure it'll be no, like no big deal to quit for 30 days. And I got about nine days in and I realized it was way harder than I thought it was. And so that was when I created the blog. I had been reading other people's sober blogs at that point just for a couple of months. But then on, I think it was the ninth, my ninth day sober, or perhaps seventh, but seventh or ninth day, I started up a blog anonymously and started writing saying, I'm on day seven. This is really hard. This is way harder than I thought. Yeah. And then over time, more people are reading blogs. At the time that I was started, there was maybe 15 of us, maybe just around 15 who were regularly blogging. There were more people who would come and go. There's some people who would start a blog and then, then they were drinking again. And then there were other people who were just sort of in the, like leaving comments on your blog. That's how you know that there's anybody out there. Mm -hmm. um, but like within 24 hours of posting my first post, I had a comment that said something like, you know, I'm here, keep going, that kind of thing. And I didn't realize how important it would be to have cheerleading to do something that's hard. And, you know, it's sort of like having a doula, right? Or a midwife. Right. Like someone there to keep you accountable. Right. And somebody there to say, this part's normal. This is what to expect. This is going to last about this long. Not everybody's exactly the same, but here's what we can sort of expect. And the doula doesn't do the work, but having the company and the reassurance and literally somebody to hold your hand, I mean, that just makes such a big difference. And if you were training for a marathon, you might buy a book or you might go to a class or some kind of running group or you, you know, you meet on Wednesdays to run and maybe you still run other days through the week, but once a week, at least you get together. And, but if you're trying to quit drinking or you're, you're worried that you're drinking too much in general in the world, I mean, if I quiz you, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't fair to quiz the uh, interviewer. Uh, if I quiz you and say, if you had a friend who wanted to quit drinking, what would you recommend were the resources that they could use? And I honestly, I wouldn't know um, what direction to turn. What does the average person think of about in terms of quitting drinking? What's the only thing anybody knows? 
AA. That's right. And maybe rehab. We've heard of that. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard of anything else. And it's not just moms and listeners. It's doctors haven't heard of anything else. Mm-hmm. Don't know that there's this online group of people doing this public blogging of our experience. In my case, it was to get reassurance. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that anybody would read my stuff and find it reassuring. I can I can tell you I was simply trying to save myself. And maybe after about eight months of me being sober and blogging all the time and asking questions and writing about my day and all done anonymously mm-hmm. at about the eight month mark, there was one girl who had a blog and she just would drink every two days and she would, she'd say, that's it. I'm quitting forever. And then three days later she'd drink again. And that's not uncommon in the world of people trying to quit drinking. Yeah. But I emailed her directly, like sent her a private email and said, look, maybe it's easier to quit for shorter than it is to quit forever. And why don't you try doing some kind of challenge like a hundred days first and then decide because maybe your head's just getting weird about forever. Well, then she writes on her blog, I'm doing Belle's 100-day sober challenge. And I'm like, no, you're not, because <laughs> there isn't one. Like, no, no, you're not. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. And then people started to email me. This was what was so weird, was that people started to email me who didn't blog and who didn't comment. They were just reading. Yeah. And I didn't know that this, you know, like lurkers, I didn't really realize that lurkers existed. I mean, I don't know why, because I was a lurker before. I don't know why. Right. But all of a sudden, then you realize it's not just the 15 blogs and the the three, the 30 or 40 people commenting, that there's wax of people following along who are saying nothing. That is so, completely true. And I can attest to that. Yeah. Except that when it happens to you, you're like, oh, wowie. Like I have a, like there's an audience, right? It's not just me and these people. There's people I can't see. Yeah. So some random human emails me and says, can I do your hundred day challenge? And I'm like, well, okay. But you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open an Excel spreadsheet. I'm going to write your name. I'm going to write down your date of last drink and we're going to keep track for you. Uh-huh. Why don't you email me every couple of days? Let me know how you're doing. Well, then there's 10 people. And then there's 50 people. And they're not people who have blogs or are commenting. And I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> that is mind-blowing, huh? I thought I was alone, though. Like, I thought I was the only person who had a voice that said drinking is a good idea, even when I didn't want to drink. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of large repercussions from my drinking. So I didn't think that I would qualify for AA. I mean, lots of people go to AA. Mm-hmm. Um I was trying to find something other than that, at least to begin. I mean, if I had repeatedly relapsed, I would have had to go to AA. I mean, I would have had to try everything. But I didn't know that somebody emailing me privately, now this is no blogs, no comments, just an email to a stranger on the internet who you don't know, except that she's done what you want to do, which is quit drinking. And then over time, there's more and more people. And then some people relapse and some people drop out and some people don't email anymore. Mm-hmm. But I remember saying to my husband, wouldn't it be so hilarious if there were 100 people doing the 100 Day Sober Challenge? Like, wouldn't that just be a shock? And as soon as I got to 100, I figured I'd have to, like, shut it all down, right? Like, uh-huh. Well, as of today, I have worked with 3,074 people. That is so awesome. One-on-one. Uh-huh. To quit drinking. Now, some of the first people are still sober too. I mean, it's important to note that people 
come and go and start and stop, start and stop. Mm-hmm. Um, of the mm-hmm. last hundred people who signed up with me, I just checked this last night, 72 are still sober. Um, that's a pretty good success rate. I mean, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when AA doesn't really keep statistics. And so their numbers are like between five and 10% because there's no real way to, to track it. Um, it also seems a little bit more personable as well, a little bit more intimate than yeah. Yeah. You know, going through AA or, you know, something like that. Well, if you can imagine how embarrassing it is to tell somebody that you drink too much when you have three kids mm-hmm. and you think that they're just going to judge you and say, look, you've got kids. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And I know what it's like to have that voice in your head. And so I know what it's like when that voice completely is illogical and says this time it'll be different it's not that bad. Maybe you can just have one drink and stop. Mm-hmm. Um, your kids don't know. I mean, that's what people, that's what people tell me that their head says to them. My kids don't know. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that if you're the child of somebody who drinks too much, you know. Yeah. And I can really, I can relate to that. And with my childhood, yeah. um, you know, when I was young, my mom, she, um, her, her vice was alcohol. She would yeah. come home after a long work day and she would go to her room and close the door and she would drink. And, um, you know, I, I saw that and she would find a way to numb herself and to escape mentally. Yeah. And for the young girl really resented, really resented her for that. Um, but the one I'm so proud of her though. She has, you know, turned her life around and the woman today is proud of my mom. Wow, we. Yeah, and but as well, but when you're a kid though, like when you're a kid, yeah. you feel like your parent is choosing the alcohol over you. Yeah. And when you're the adult and it's happening to you, I now know that nobody picks alcohol over their child. It's not a choice like that. It's more of a compulsion, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a, I'll just have one, but then one leads to two, and then two leads to four. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no intent, like nobody plans to drink and drive, right? People drink and drive because they ran out and they need to go out and get more mm-hmm. or they need to get home from wherever they are. Like nobody logically, I mean, there was a guy when i started blogging, you know, seven years ago, there was a guy who anonymously freely admitted that he had had a drink drive arrest with his kids in the backseat of the car. Yeah. And everybody's like, understand because you know, it's so easy to say, oh, I would never do that. But you might also say, well, I would never drink the night before a big event. Well, I would never start drinking at noon. But I might start drinking at noon if it was a vacation. Well, if I'm camping, I might start drinking at 10 a.m. But I would never, but I would never, but I would never. And you know what? The person who gets arrested for drinking and driving, they didn't plan that. Yeah, and you know, there's there's moms out there who have DUIs and have to drive around with breathalyzers and you know yep and I have a pen pal in my group who had the breathalyzer on her car Mm -hmm. um but you know and the the people who make like the people who reach out for anonymous support with Mm -hmm. some like it's not like they they don't just trip over me like I have a website and I have audios and I have a podcast and they get to know me by the free daily emails Mm -hmm. um I guess one of the things that I didn't tell you before is that 80 percent of what I do is free so people can follow along with my free stuff for a long time before they ever pay $2 for anything or before they sign up to do the one-on-one thing with me. 
Um, and there's people following along right now who I've never heard from. And then there's in my group that I know of, there's a judge, a pilot, an anesthesiologist, a psychiatrist, another psychiatrist, a whole bunch of family doctors, midwives, nurses, mom of three kids under the age of 11, mm -hmm. parents of special kids with special needs, a woman whose son just died of cancer. These are people who, who have alcohol issues in addition to their regular life, which is complex, right? I mean, you have a full-time job, you have a podcast, you have kids. Mm -hmm. Imagine then you were also trying to struggle with a voice that thought that alcohol right now in the middle of this was a good idea. I feel like moms are also marketed oh. more than ever. You know, you have, <clears throat> you have the shirts and you have it's wine o'clock and, you know, mom mosas, which I, I feel conviction because I'm, I'm guilty of that, you know, like naming a mimosa mom mosa, you know, mm. and. Yeah. It does sort of imply that we need to be numbed to deal with our children. Instead yeah. of building in some kind of self-care where it's okay to have help, it's okay to ask for help, it's okay to not be super mom, it's okay to feed your kids cereal for dinner, it's okay to not do the sheets every two days, it's okay to stop the stuff, especially if that kind of frenetic pushing leads you then to feeling so stressed that alcohol seems like a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, so in fact, one of the first things that, that we, that I do with somebody when they sign up with me, if they want to work with me one-on-one -on -one, is we talk about, you know, doing a hundred day challenge to begin because it's easier to wrap your brain around. I still have that seven years later, mm -hmm. but then they have to figure out uh, other ways to feel better, other ways to change the channel in your head and the sort of self soothing things that if you were a kid and your mom came home and she went in the other room and closed the door, she wasn't modeling for you any other way to feel better, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like she came home from work and said, you know, Alex, I'm feeling kind of stressed for work, so I'm going to have a bath first and then I'll make dinner. Mm -hmm. Or she doesn't say, I'm going to go for a run first and then I'll make dinner. And we don't learn this. Like, at least I didn't. I did not learn this from my parents. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I learned that Kentucky Fried Chicken and cigarettes and alcohol sometimes were like the things that you did to unwind. Yeah, uh, just kind of grow up just being numb to it. It's it's normalcy. It's yeah, what you know. Yep. And then you know, there are people who have one drink and then stop. Fewer than you might think. Um, there are people who drink as much as they can get away with, which means if they've got to work in the morning, then they have a two or three drink limit. But if it's, if they don't have to work in the morning, then they remove that limit and they drink as much as they want. Mm -hmm. Um, lots of people would say that they'd start drinking, but only after six o'clock. And then I'll say, unless it's a holiday or Super Bowl, unless it's Thanksgiving, unless there's a reason. And then it's drinking in the morning. Um, most people drink as much as they can get away with in the space that they have allowed. Like if you're going out, if you've hired a sitter and you're going out with your kids, there's a there's an amount that you can drink where you're still safe to drive or safe to be the passenger to go home in case your kids need something. Mm -hmm. and, and you try to stay right up to that limit but not go over it. It's not like anybody's walking around trying to figure out how to drink less. Everybody's trying to figure out how to drink the most they can get away with. It's very true. And so, what it turns out that the, the title of the blog, Tired of Thinking About Drinking, it turns out that it's actually harder 
to think about drinking. Am I going to drink now? How many? When? What? How many? Oh, look, I had too many. Oh, I'm going to quit again. Oh, I'm going to have only two. It turns out it's actually easier to have none, which is super non-intuitive mm -hmm. because it seems like we should be able to learn to moderate. Just have two for Pete's sake and then stop. Mm -hmm. Just drink on weekends. But if you've got a head like mine, as soon as you give it a little, it asks for more. And, um, like I have a story where the liquor store, I lived in Canada, the liquor store was on strike one Christmas. So there was only one store open that had a really long, you had to stand outside in the snow for like hours to get in. It was just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it was the night before I had to make a special cake for catering. And I drank the cooking wine knowing that I'd have to get up in the morning and stand in the lineup in the snow at the one store that was open to rebuy the wine that I just drank so that I could make the cake for the client. And I just think like, there's something, the, like, there's something the matter with that. Like why would, and you know, like logically when I tell you that story, I know that if somebody doesn't have a drinking issue or they don't have that voice in their head that says drink, drink now, they think, well, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, because I thought I would have a couple of inches of that wine and then that became a glass and a half and then that became two and a half and then that was the, that was all that was left. Right. It wasn't planned. And it's sort of like we lose the ability to make the decision about what happens next. But you know, like people go home with strangers, like stuff happens when people drink, right? Oh yeah, for sure. People fall, people go back to the bank machine to the instant teller for the third time in the same night. Like, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. But if you're talking about how to evolve as a mom and how to be, uh, you know, a, the best version of you, it probably doesn't mean pouring a bottle of wine on your head every night. And then, you know, which I have thought this as well, you come home and you cook dinner and your house is clean, the dishes are done and kids are showered, homework is done, you put them to bed and they're sound asleep. They have no idea what's happening. You're in the living room watching your favorite show and you're drinking wine. Right. And, you know, you think it's totally okay. Like, they're not out here. They're not seeing me drink. I'm not belligerently. I'm not right. vomiting everywhere. Like, it's totally right. fine. Right. I think, though, that, you know, the number of times your child has to wake up in the middle of the night and they know that something's wrong. Like, they know that you're not the real you. They know their parent. Mm -hmm. They love you. They, if they call for you in the middle of the night, they want you to come. They know when you're not fully present. If you go into the room, they can either smell it or feel it, like emotionally feel that it's not the same. Right. And, you know, I mean, I have done this. I have taken a wine glass into the bathroom to bath a child mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the whole thing was taking a really long time. So you just take your wine glass into the bath. Again, it doesn't seem like a big deal, except yeah. that it was all the time. Right. Yeah. And then you're sort of like pushing the kid off to bed so that you can sit with your and have your me time. Right. Yeah. Like the only way to have me time is to consume a product that's going to make you feel crummy. Mm -hmm. That's addictive. To consume an addictive product that's going to make you feel crummy. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, like we were, and we were chatting earlier and you had mentioned, you know, it's like cocaine or it's like it's the same thing, but no one, you know, goes around putting its cocaine o'clock on a shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's sort of weird, too, that the number of people who die in the U.S. from alcohol is way more than all of the drug deaths, even though even with all the press that is given to the incredibly tragic opioid, you know, epidemic right now. Yeah. 
more people die, die from alcohol. And um, and yet it's sold in nice stores with good lighting. There's advertisements. There's um, there. You walk into Olive Garden. Okay. Olive Garden of all places. You walk in, you sit down, they come over to the table with an open bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Now, why do they do that? Do they care if you overdrink? Do they care if you're an alcoholic? Do they care if you're going to drink and drive? They know it's a high margin product. That's all they know. They want to sell a high margin product. If they could sell you a lobster by walking over to your table and putting it on your table, they'd do that. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to get your money from breadsticks, right? They're going to get your money with with wine that is four times the price as the, the, the grocery store. Right. Right? And so if, if, if you imagine that there was a cocaine store with nice lighting, you'd say, I'm not going to play with that. That's addictive. Mm-hmm. Well, alcohol is addictive. And if you're a sensitive kind of person, and you have poor self-soothing skills, and it, alcohol is addictive. Now, just imagine what happens if you like consume alcohol with a sensitive head and poor self-soothing skills. It'll just become booze all the time for everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've heard from my pen pals too, which is, you know, it's not just I drink when something bad happens. It's I drink when something good happens. Wedding, funeral, beach, snowstorm, all are good reasons to drink. And when you say it like that, it's like, well, that's just dumb. <laughs> like, So how do you know that you're an alcoholic? Well, I'm going to give you an answer that says, first of all, I don't use the word alcoholic because the word itself causes people problem. People get hung up on the word and the meaning of the word. I don't use the word to describe myself and I don't um, use it to describe my pen pals. We use over drinker or boozer when we're being sort of you know, sarcastic, but uh, overdrinker is a person who drinks more than they want to. So if you're an over, how do you know you're an overdrinker? You drink more than you want to. How do you know that uh, something's not right? You have a voice in your head that thinks that drinking is a good idea and it talks you into it. Like for example, you'll be sitting at the restaurant and you'll be having dinner and there'll be wine in front of you. And in the back of your head, you'll think I need to stop for a bottle on the way home because there might not be enough. Or if you've ever lined up the two glasses on the counter side by side to make sure that he doesn't get more than you. You're keeping track. You're, you're quantifying. You're watching. How much did she get? Where's the waiter? Can we get more? And it's not like I was trying to drink a certain amount. It's that I was trying to drink, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't uh, – it didn't impact my job. I, I it, it affected my sleep certainly and it affected how much money I spent and it affected my weight. I mean, nothing like consuming dumb calories, nothing like spending dumb money. Um, well, I, that's, that's another thing too. Like if you're, you know, watching your calories, some people oh. say, Oh, I'm saving all my calories for a drink and I don't, I don't need to eat. Yeah. Do you know that I went to AA like when I was in my mid twenties and I used to allocate my alcohol and, um, and then not eat so that I could drink. Um, again, I mean, I mean drinking like two to three glasses. I'm not saying two to three bottles, although here's what happened. I wrote this blog. I talked about me. I talked about my experience, started the hundred day challenge. People start emailing me. And then I find out that the stuff that I talk about, the self soothing, the skills, the tools, uh, naming the voice in your head. We, I have a name for it. It's called Wolfie. Um, I didn't realize that those tools would turn out to be useful to people who weren't like me. 
Mm-hmm. So I have pen pals who drink three bottles of wine and who drank past tense, three bottles of wine a night, not three glasses. What I didn't realize with it was that the same skills and tools would be useful for them too. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have somebody who goes to AA and uses me in addition. And then I'll have somebody who's been to rehab and uses me in addition. And so it can be like a layering of tools. Like you listen to sober podcasts and you read sober books and maybe you have a sober pen pal like me, or you have some kind of care, uh, care counselor, therapist, coach, yeah. sponsor person. But the, the, the measurement of how much, how many tools and supports do you need? The answer is, are you sober? Because if you're not continuously sober, then it means you don't have enough stuff. So every time I had tried to quit before, before I started this 30-day thing, I had tried to quit a couple times before, and I could go like seven, eight days, and then I would drink again. And I felt very proud of myself for being able to quit for seven days, like to have absolutely none, go out for dinner, do all the things, and have none. Uh, what I didn't realize was that every time I drank, I re-woke up the voice in my head that I was trying to get to shut up. And I didn't know at all, and no one could have convinced me that the further away from day one you get, the quieter the voice gets until it stops. And the voice that says, drink now, what about now, stops. And then it's just quiet in your head. And I had no idea that that would happen. None. So people email me all the time and say, how do I get this voice to stop? And the answer is, you got to remove the booze. It's like, well, I just want to have two drinks. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if you have none. So I frame it as a trial, right? We're a hundred day sober challenge. We're going to do it just for a hundred days. And then at the end of the hundred days, you extend it for longer because then it's easier, right? Once you're away from day one and the voice is quieter and you're feeling better and you're sleeping better and you're proud of yourself, like think of the number of things that a mom can do on a daily basis to feel proud of herself. It's like having a, you know, when you're in running, it's a PR, a personal record. Every time you like break your own record. Well, when you quit drinking and you get to your longest day sober, then every day forward is a new PR. Every day, every day, just by waking up, you're on your best day, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're on day, I'm just looking at my chart here Mm -hmm. to give you an example of somebody. Um, There's somebody here who's on day 14. That's her longest sober um, was about 32 days. Now, if she gets to 33 days, every day after that is a new personal best. And if she keeps going and then she's a year sober and then she's two years sober, every day is a personal best. I can't. It's really shocking how you can feel proud of yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. as an adult. Like, we're, we're proud when we can make our kids do things like make your child be toilet trained, right? You could, you're, you're proud when you can sleep train. You're proud when, you can, when your child has good manners. Right. Right? But what about, what about parental development? What about mom development? What, what are you doing to actually take care of you so that you feel better? Instead of self-soothing with alcohol drink yeah yeah Yeah. so you know what's been interesting for me is that over the course of the the time that i've been doing this is i've worked with lots of people who aren't like me Mm -hmm. like three thousand people so i have like little bits and pieces of stories and anecdotes and advice and layers of ideas from a whole bunch of people 
mm-hmm. like I said, there's people in my group with cancer or their family member has cancer or somebody's died of cancer or there's been a car accident or there's been a DUI or there's been or they've lost their job for whatever reason. Um, infidelity, like everything, really. Mm-hmm. The only thing I focus on is how does this impact your ability to be sober? Like if somebody emails me and says, my husband is having an affair, I will say, well, how does this impact your ability to be sober? Because I'm not a marriage counselor. <laughs> and if she keeps drinking, there's going to be bigger problems. Right. In addition to the problems. Like, life has enough problems. We don't need to add alcohol because then that adds more problems. And even if you have kids, I mean, lots of moms leave their kids home with dad and go out with their friends, with their girls to the book club, right? The book club. Mm-hmm. Which means we're going to sit and drink three bottles of wine. Yeah, and I, you know, I am guilty of that, going out with the girlfriends, especially to brunch. Yeah. And, you know, getting a picture of mimosas and hanging out on the patio with my girlfriends and... Right. Wow. And thinking somehow that we couldn't have a great connection with people with just orange juice. Like... Is it the contents of the glass that's important or is it the time away from the kids on the patio in the sun with your friends? Because the truth is, and you know as well as I do, as soon as somebody's had their second drink, their ability to have a good conversation is kind of impaired. Yeah. And then people are louder and repeating themselves and they think they're hilarious and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and you know, and, and like, then you, because you've done, you've heard this, you've been in a restaurant where the table next to you is like really, really loud. Yeah. And you just think, oh, they have no idea because they would never behave like that if they were sober. They wouldn't. But then you might actually talk to the person across and you might actually be able to read her face when you say, how are things and watch her. Not just the three of you sitting side by side, each pouring alcohol on your head as if somehow that's a bonding experience. Right. And then you got to drive home and then you got to be aware, awake, aware for your kids. And if you're like me and you have a drink at lunch, then you're either tired or you keep drinking. Yeah. And so, you know, what would you tell the person that says, well, you know, I'm a little socially awkward and when I'm around a group of people just to take off the edge and just to kind of loosen up and be myself a little bit more, I need to have a glass. Yeah, I love this question because being socially awkward or being an introvert is not a character defect. It doesn't need to be cured. There's nothing the matter with you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're shy and you're a bit slower to get started. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, not, that's not a fault. You don't have to fix that. It's okay to be shy. It's sort of like parents who force their kids to like do public speaking when the kid is shy. Mm-hmm. it's okay to be an introvert. <laughs> like it's, I, and, I, and I'm speak, speaking as an extrovert. Like uh-huh. for those of us who are extroverts, we need introverts. Otherwise, you know, we suck up all the oxygen in the room. Like, longer you're sober, the less your anxiety. Like we think we're drinking to help our anxiety, but it turns out the alcohol causes anxiety, which again is something that nobody believes until they quit. Mm-hmm. And then they email me and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> I feel so much better. I had no idea. And I'm like, no, neither did I. I had, I lit, I literally had no idea that the drinking was making the anxiety worse. Yeah. You couldn't have convinced me, honestly. It's not written on the side of the bottle. On the side of the bottle, it says something, depending on which country you're in. Yeah. It says something about not drinking while pregnant. Mm-hmm. Most women drink when they're pregnant. They don't drink very much, but they still drink. Yeah. Most people still have a half a glass. Most people don't, can't quit 100%. They still have some. 
here and there. Mm -hmm. Probably like you, I have found that if I share my real stuff, the people who resonate with that really, really hear it. And oftentimes haven't heard anybody say it before. They've never heard anybody say, we don't do this on purpose. They've never heard anybody say that they have a voice in their head that asks for alcohol. Yeah. And sometimes our content, our words may be muted for people who aren't going through it until they are going through it. Well, you know, I mean, certainly to do with alcohol, everybody who's listening mm -hmm. either has a drink now voice mm -hmm. and is still trying to moderate it or they're sober. I mean, that's possible. Or they know someone who overdrinks and they never really understood it because Jim would get drunk at the wedding every time and then he would fall and then his wife would threaten to leave him. And then the next time you saw him, Jim was drinking again. You're just like, Jesus, Jim, stop drinking. And you don't, and like, we're like, we lose patience with that, right? What is he doing? Doesn't he realize? And when you're on the other side of it, when you have the empathy side of it, it's like, Jim's not picking that. Jim's mortified. He doesn't tell you he's mortified. He emails me, the total stranger, because it's anonymous, because I don't know his face and he doesn't see my face. And he tells me the number of times that he wasn't able to get up with his kids and the number of times that he fell and the number of times that he had cereal for dinner because he couldn't manage to cook and the number of times that he was drinking and driving and didn't get caught. Yeah. And there's something about having an anonymous pen pal too, like, you know, AA is anonymous, but you still have to put your physical person in the room. Mm -hmm. You have to put your head in the room. And with an online person, it's really anonymous. Like there's some people who sign up with me and I never know the real name. Mm -hmm. They give themselves a screen name. There's a girl named Swan, for example. I don't know Swan's real name. And I don't need to know Swan's real name. I need to know that she's a nurse. I need to know that she's got three kids under the age of 10. I need to know that her husband seems to have some kind of attention deficit thing, which she finds really super irritating. And she thinks that she drinks to like deal with her husband and her three kids. Yeah. And I'm like, you may have legitimate issues with your husband and your three kids. Alcohol is not the solution because alcohol, if you're not careful, really, it's going to create another whole set of problems that are, that are going to be worse than anything else you're trying to deal with now. Yeah. And release a, a whole bag of different demons for sure. Well, and then you become Jim at the wedding, right? Then you become the mom with the attention deficit husband and the three mm -hmm. kids who's drunk at, or not, well, like sloppy at every event. Yeah. At the Tupperware event, at the candle event, at the kids' school thing, at the PTA meetings. Yeah. You know, you see, I have seen these posts like on Facebook and stuff, and it's, they were promoting that uh, X amount of wine can fit into a Starbucks venti cup. And so, you can pour out whatever you get from Starbucks and put wine in and take it to your kids' soccer games or whatever. And, you know, I see that often and us moms, we just feed into it. We just eat it up. Imagine that your kid's soccer game is so painful that you must be numbed to the point. Let, let me, let's, let's just look at what alcohol is. Yeah. <laughs> if you consume three quarters of a bottle of wine tonight and your husband comes home and he looks at you and he doesn't know that you've been drinking and he just looks at you and you've consumed three, four glasses of wine. He'll think you've had a stroke because your speech will be slurred and when you walk, you'll bump into things. Mm -hmm. Imagine that the way you deal with your child's soccer game is to induce the symptoms of a stroke. Because yeah. <laughs> what, it's so boring? Like if it's boring to watch soccer, then talk to the mom beside you or put on your headphones and learn Spanish. 
<laughs> right? Um, are you not studying for your master's degree? Are you not uh, supposed to be dictating, uh, you know, a letter to grandma? Like, uh, yeah. we, we, we're all complaining we don't have enough time. If it's boring to sit on the side of the pool for the 10th day in a row watching him do his diving lessons, uh, honestly, if it's not books on tape or, I mean, it's not books on tape anymore, audible, yeah, I just dated myself there. Books on tape, cassette tapes, you know, uh, <laughs> CDs even uh, with your Walkman. Um, yeah. If it's not audible in podcasts, yeah. I mean, you have a podcast. I have a podcast. People listen to this. They want to be informed. They want to be enlightened. They want to feel lifted up. Pouring alcohol on your head is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do your listeners listen to you? What are they hoping to get from you? This is a real question relatable content that they aren't alone in that right you know the mom that's that's going through something behind closed doors is something we're kind of all going through ourselves right and that you know if you hear somebody else talk about it you feel less alone and it's shocking how much we can change our lives when we feel less alone and it's shocking how much we can change our lives when we have a cheerleader when we have the doula when we have the midwife when we have the person saying, that's okay, that's normal. Yeah. People people will email me and say, you know, how long does it take until? And I try to give them a timeline, right? How long does it take until you, you sleep, your sleep is settled? Mm-hmm. How long does it take until you stop thinking about it all the time? How long does it take until your husband is less irritating? But these are like real, there's like real, there's like real numbers for that. There's real numbers for when does your husband become less irritating? <laughs> Please do tell. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's about 60 days when you uh, are far enough away from day one that your own anxiety and your own uh, self-soothing skills are improved, then you're less irritated by other people. I have a question. What would you, what would you tell the mom that has maybe come to you and they have lost custody of their children? Mm-hmm. due to this mm-hmm. or they you know they have a DUI or you know what would you tell that mom there was a woman in my group whose husband um threatened to leave her if she didn't get her self sorted um and take the kids and she emailed me and initially she was like he's a bad guy he's being mean to me I'm trying really hard he's he's doing this he's doing that and what I said to her was why don't we talk about you mm-hmm if you continue to drink, you're going to lose your kids. He has every right to do what's best for him if you can't sort this out. It would be hard for you, but he's an, auton- an autonomous human, right? He gets to pick whether or not he wants this in his life. Mm-hmm. If somebody's lost their kids, it means that they had a whole bunch of warnings and they felt like they were going to get it under control tomorrow or soon. And... When somebody said, do you want to go to AA, they would have said no. And if somebody, or they went to AA, but it wasn't enough, or they went to rehab, but then drank the day they came home. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had a mom email me and say, I've lost my kids, I would focus on them and on them taking care of themselves to the point where they can then take care of other people. And uh, if their husband restricts their access, then you just have to deal with that. You just have to live with it until you earn back the trust and the, and you know, like there's a woman in my group whose husband checks her receipts to see if she's buying alcohol. And she's, she'll email me and say, I'm so mad at him. And I'm like, honey, this is what happens. You want that to stop? Don't drink again. Like if you never drink again, this all stops. 
If you never drink again, all the problems that are in the past will stay in the past and you'll make a new future. And you'll do a whole bunch of new things and they'll become new memories and those memories will go in on top of the old ones. And I mean, I have a woman who had to go to rehab and leave her kids for uh, 10 days and go to a detox rehab and then come home and do outpatient treatment. Mm -hmm. um, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Her kids, what, 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 do I say, what, what do I say to my kids? She says, and I say, you say, mommy's um, having a hard time with this drinking thing and it doesn't make much sense, I know, and so I'm going to go to a doctor to try to figure out how to get it to stop. I mean, that's, that's what I would say. You have to own it, I think. You have to own, you have to say what the truth is. I mean, kids are, <laughs> kids aren't stupid. We were back to where we were in the beginning, right? They aren't numb to their surroundings. No, and I mean, I'm not saying that you make your child your sponsor, and I'm not saying you yeah. say, why don't you count mommy's sober days and keep track for me? Like, I'm not trying to, you know, you don't want to parentalize the child, but right. uh, they know something's, like if something's going on and you deny it, then the kid starts to think that they're going crazy. Like, they know. Do you know what, when you know, you might say to them, do you know how sometimes when you go to bed and you've got your iPad and I say half an hour and then I come in and it's 45 minutes and you're still on the iPad? It's like that. It's I'm trying to stop, but then, you know, I just think a few more minutes, mom, of just, a, just another 10 minutes. And then if I don't come in and take the iPad from you, it might be an hour. Or you might turn it on at two in the morning and be back into the games or whatever you're into. Yeah. It's just like that, except with something that can really harm you. My head says, have one, have another one, have another one. And then, um, and then it's more, and then tomorrow I start again. You'll like every, like every kid. I mean, I think a kid could understand certainly an iPad, um, you know, like just one more show, just one more game, just one more. Jeez, I think is that we check our cell phone 150 times a day. How do you stop doing that? It's not just saying I'll stop doing that because if the phone's in your hand, you're going to check it. Uh-huh. The only way to stop doing it is to put the phone somewhere where you can't see it. To like to a hundred percent stop checking your phone. It'd have to be somewhere else turned off with no, with notif notifications, but to think that you can check it every second time or every third time. Or people say, you know, why don't you just put your phone in airplane mode? It's like, no kidding. I tried that. It doesn't work. I just turn it off. Exactly. <laughs> So, but it's the same thing, like something addictive, like your phone is yeah. the same as something that's addictive, like alcohol. It's like, I've tried having one. I mean, of course I've tried having one when I have one, I want more. How do you feel about your iPad? How do you feel about Netflix, mom? How do you feel about watching some Netflix show at already 11 o'clock when you know that you need to get enough sleep to do tomorrow properly? And you think still, I'll just do one more instead mm -hmm. of sleep. Okay, imagine then that you had three glasses of wine also. Mm -hmm. And people email me like at two in the morning saying, tomorrow has to be my day one. It has to be. This has to stop. And I always say, email me in the morning. <laughs> you can't decide now. You have to decide when you're sober. Email me tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So what is, what is something that you would like to you know, for um, the iconic moms that are listening in. And sometimes we have a vice, but it's up to us to decipher what our vice is. And what if they don't know and they're contemplating it and they're listening to you here? And what would you, what would you tell them if they're questioning or they're like, I don't really know. Like, 
do mm-hmm. I have this category? Is that me? Is that not me? Like, I don't think I have a problem. Well, you know, what would you tell that mom? I think the easiest way to sort of sort out, is there an issue, is to try to quit, is wow. to try to have none mm-hmm. and try to have none for like 100 days. And then you'll discover pretty quickly that it's harder than you think. And that even if you're not physically, like not physically dependent, just psychologically dependent, it's harder to quit than you think. And uh, if you think that you have an issue, then try to quit. And it will become clear pretty, pretty quickly that as soon as there's a bit of peer pressure, you give in. As soon as you see somebody else drinking, you want one. Like most people just go along with what everybody else is doing. And don't, don't make a decision about whether or not this is what's best for them. Like, it's like I'm allergic to, I don't know, pick something, shrimp. And everybody's eating shrimp. I mean, I'm not going to eat shrimp. It doesn't suit me. And me personally now, me now today, if you're drinking in front of me, I'm not going to drink. It doesn't suit me. But in the beginning when you're first trying to quit, everybody, it seems like everybody's drinking around you and you have to join in. Mm-hmm. That's because the sort of compulsive voice is saying now, 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 now. Just have one. Yeah. So I think if you if you I think if you think you have an issue, you probably do. It's mm-hmm. sort of sort of that like like nobody crosses the street to buy more corn on the cob, right? Nobody keeps track of how much corn on the cob they eat. Nobody has to monitor their corn on the cob consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody runs out. Nobody leaves the the house at eleven o'clock at night to go buy more corn. Um, uh, if you think about alcohol, then it's probably because you're trying to control the quantities. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess I would say then, like poke around a bit in the online sober world because you can do it free and anonymously. Go to a site like mine, which is tiredofthinkingaboutdrinking.com and put your name in and it's free daily emails. And then just look and listen and read and see what parts of it resonate with you and then see how hard it is to quit. Um, Most adults don't, like we don't stop and check. Oh, I wonder if this is becoming a problem. Well, I'll quit for 90 days then. Which means, you know, Christmas, no alcohol. New Year's, no alcohol. You know, I was going to say, coming up right now, we are in the birthday time. It's the holidays. Yep. And it's Thank- more than ever right now. Yep. Well, because there's always a reason to wait, right? I'm going to wait till after the holidays. I'm going to wait till after the vacation. I'm going to wait till after my wedding anniversary. I'm going to wait till after my birthday. I'm going to wait till after the wine tour. I'm going to wait till after the thing. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself, I mean, I have, I have people who sign up with one-on-one support with me that they pay for, and then they don't start because they're waiting for the right day. And they've been on my list for a year and they've watched me and they waited and they waited and they waited and they signed up and they still can't pull the trigger mm-hmm. because their head says, just wait one more day. That's how you know it's an issue because you can't get going. And if somebody like, drinks for two days and is sober for two days and drinks for two days. It's the same thing. It's, it's, it's that you're still drinking, mm-hmm. which still resets that voice, which still makes that voice start up again. And it's not specific to any group. Like I have men in my group and I have men and women and moms and not moms. And like I said, a judge and a pilot and musician, everybody thinks it's harder for them. It's hard for me because my husband drinks. It's hard for me because my job is stressful. It's hard for me because my child has behavior issues. It's hard for me because my mother's an alcoholic. It's hard for me because we're moving. It's hard for me because it snows here. And the answer is it's hard to quit drinking for everybody. Mm -hmm. And 
me alone in my head, I couldn't do it. If it was just me, and I mean, I'm a girl who went to university. I have three university degrees. I'm smart enough human. It's got nothing to do with how smart I am. I couldn't do it alone in my head. My head was too convincing. It just said, start tomorrow. All the time. For years. Yeah, if you were in a room full of people, could you pick out who was an alcoholic and who wasn't? Yep. Um, yes. Uh, we play We play a game called Spot the Boozer. And um, if you're a sober person, you can you can tell because the person is consuming alcohol like it's water, like drinking it, not sipping it, gulping, drinking, and uh, f- always has a full glass, refills the glass, looks around for more, asks you, do you want more? Does anybody want more? Who wants more? The sort of drink pusher. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, though, they're the person who's talking over everybody, not listening. Um it can vary, of course, depending on the event. I mean, the larger the event, the easier it is to hide. If there's just six people at the table, you can tell. If there's 60 people in the room, it's a little harder. you got to look around. Yeah. But honestly, in a group of 60 people, it's easier to be sober because nobody's paying attention to you. Nobody comes over and looks in your glass and says, you're not drinking? <laughs> like, that just never happens. Yeah, it's like you're a unicorn. You know, people, yeah. even when they see you're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you drinking? Right. And then are you, as a mom, they're like, are you pregnant? Except that right now is the perfect time because of everybody's doing a cleanse or a detox or a yoga thing or a wellness thing, or they have a yeast infection or they're on antibiotics or they're trying to get pregnant or their kids not sleeping through the night. So they have to watch their sleep. Like you can make up a hundred reasons why you're not drinking tonight. I don't usually say I'm not drinking for a hundred days. I say I'm not drinking these days. It was affecting my sleep. Very rarely will anybody follow up from that. And generally only another overdrinker would follow up with that with, come on, come on, just have one. That's an overdrinker because nobody else cares. Mm-hmm. Normal drinkers don't care if you drink or not. It's got nothing to do. Like it's not the, the quality of your night is not dependent on how much alcohol you consume. Yeah. So if you're getting pushed by somebody, it usually means something about them. And then I get quite adamant, like, you know, it was affecting my sleep. I'm a caterer. I have to get up early in the morning. It just doesn't work for me. And then, you know, depending on your age, you can say hormones. You can say postpartum. You can say yeast infection. And then everybody just like runs away. <laughs> yeah, I've had a crazy yeast infection. <laughs> you know, exactly. As soon as you say C-section, infect, mastitis, people just run. Like, I don't want to hear about your boobs. Don't talk about your boobs. And like, you know, and like really. And it's not about pump and dump, right? It's not about I'm breastfeeding because everybody knows that women work around that so that they can still drink. Oh, that's a, that's a big one, the pump and dump. Right. So it has to be something more about you because otherwise it's like, how do I sneak this in so that the baby's not impacted? Mm-hmm. It's how do you take care of you? I don't sleep well when I've had something to drink, period. Mm-hmm. I've found, I'm taking, I'm, I'm on medication, period. You don't even say what for. Because mm-hmm. then if they ask, you give them something rude because it's none of their business. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. If you say yeast infection, no one no one gives a follow-up question. Well, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Don't you think? In fact, somebody emailed me after I shared that in an email once. Somebody emailed me and said, Belle, thanks for giving me an, a yeast infection. Meaning that's what was going to be her excuse from, yeah. from the if somebody pushed. Most people don't. You'd be surprised. Most of the nervousness is in our own head. 
If you went to the book club and you said, you know what, I'm not drinking tonight. I don't think I'm just going to have lemonade. You'd be surprised how many people don't care. Mm-hmm. And the person who does care is an overdrinker. Nobody else cares. Because you know what? Drink or don't drink. Who cares? This is it. I, I'm going to wrap it up. Is that okay? Yeah. It's been really great. It has been great. Um, on this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and um, put your website, your information down below. It's going to be on Anchor and on Spotify. Okay. Um, so that um, the Iconic Mamas can can get connected with you. And um, if you're out there, Iconic Moms, and you want to go ahead and subscribe to her website and go ahead and get connected with her or me or DM me or email me or however you want to, you know, I'm here and um, I'm here to listen. So I love this. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Belle. It's been so great. I really appreciate the, uh, the invitation. Seriously. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited um, to get this posted. Good. And that was my chat with the Miss Belle Robertson, the creator of tiredofthinkingaboutdrinking.com. Isn't she so awesome? She is so insightful when it comes to this topic, especially in relation to motherhood. It is so awesome that she can use her past and her testimony to really provide a service and a resource for others that are going through the same thing. And she is so relatable to this topic and... It's great. Like her email list, like she said on her website, is completely anonymous and 80% of her services are free. Ever since we had chatted and I had taped this podcast, I have really, really thought about my drinking and have just made myself more aware of it. Now, granted, you know, I, I don't drink very much. I do like to have a good time with the girlfriends. I do like to go out, drink margaritas and take paleta shots at the table and you know I like to have a good time and it's usually because I'm like oh my gosh like my husband is getting on my nerves girl let's go out or oh my gosh the kids like my work week was crazy we need to get together we need to go let loose like that's me and I have just made myself more aware of it and imagine if you know after a stressful day or stressful week whatever the hell you're going through you may feel like you're up against the wall and you're like, dude, you don't know what I'm going through. What if we threw ourselves into something positive? You know, what if we substituted a drink or a night out with something positive? Could you just imagine how much more peaceful and aligned our soul and spirit would be if we did that? And maybe you're listening right now and you're out there, you're like, Alex, look, I understand you maybe drink every now and then, socially, whatever, but I drink every day. I drink all the time. And it's affecting me as a mom. It's affecting me to function as a mom for my children. Maybe you're in the middle of losing your kids. Maybe you have lost your kids. I want you to know right now that you are not a bad person. You're not a bad mom, okay? And if you are here listening to this right now and you have a heartbeat, you know what, girl, you have purpose. You have purpose and you have a future. And I want you to know that you can make the change. You know, there are resources out there for us, just like Belle's tired of thinking about drinking website, you know. I want you to know that you have purpose and you can turn yourself around, okay? And if you need someone to talk to, 
if you, you know, if you choose Belle, you choose me, whoever it may be, girl, you can DM me, you can email me. I just want you to know that I'm here. There's people here and you're not alone. You're not. And if you know someone who can relate to this or as soon as you hear this, there's one person who pops up in your head like, yep, that's, that's definitely her. I want you to copy this link to the podcast. I want you to send it to them, okay? Whew. And I, I just thank y'all for rocking with Iconic Moms. And if you have stayed all the way through this episode until now, thank you so much. I know this one is a long one, but I truly do appreciate it. And I do know that there is just someone, someone out there who, who can benefit from this and benefit from the words that Belle had to speak. And I thank you so much and um, stay connected with me on Instagram at Iconic Mamas and I will see y'all there. But I want you to know, always remember, you are iconic. Bye, ladies.